the lions. In the late 1800s, the colonial government of British East Africa determined to build a railroad from Uganda to Kilonina Harbor in Kenya. The project included a railroad bridge across the Tasava River. Lieutenant Colonial John Henry Patterson arrived in March 1898 to supervise construction. Local laborers were hired. It was not long until significant numbers of them disappeared because of night attacks by two lions. In one case, a massive lion stealthily entered a railroad car where some men were sleeping. The lion seized a worker from his bunk and plunged into the darkness through an open window, taking his terrified prey with him. Bridge construction soon ceased, and hundreds of workers fled the area until the marauding lions could be killed. It has always required vigilance and reliable defenses for people to survive in territories occupied by these powerful carnivores. The enemy of our soul, however, is a far more ruthless predator who ranges throughout the world, entire world. We need an effective defense against this deadly adversary to ensure our spiritual survival. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. 1 Peter 4.7 Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. John Henry Patterson tried for months to trap or ambush the man-eating beasts without success. When he finally killed both lions in December 1898, appreciation of the railroad workers was unabounded. We too have a victorious deliverer who has totally defeated our ferocious spiritual adversary. May we never neglect to give Christ the honor, praise, and submission that he so justly deserves. Your adversary, the devil, is your roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter 4, 8. That was from the um, Stillwater's uh, devotional book. Maybe some of you read it this week. Um, the part that stood out to me in there that was that verse there. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. First Peter 4, 7. So prayer is what the title of the message this morning. That's what we're going to uh, be looking at. Before we do that, why don't we all stand? Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we worship you this morning. We love you, Lord. Some of us heard last night, even when we don't feel like it, we still ask you to help us to walk by faith and not by our feeling. Some of us have faced difficulties this week we were not planning to. We think we had it pretty tough. And yet we think of some others that we know, have heard about, And it looks like we've had it pretty easy. We thank you, God, that you're able to give grace to any situation. 
We pray that you would pour out your love and mercy and grace to those that are struggling, hurting, or facing tough situations, or for those who may in the coming week. We thank you for the service that we have been able to have thus far. We thank you that we have your word to look into. We just ask that you would guide and direct us today, here, that you would help us to grow in our walk with you, as you'd help me to be able to share the things that you have laid on my heart. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to each one. I appreciate the service um, thus far. We sung a lot of meaningful songs. Appreciate the devotions, the children's lesson. One song we sang about Spirit of God descend upon my heart to check the rising doubt, the rebel sigh, teach me the patience of unanswered prayer. Um, sometimes when our prayers aren't answered, we begin to doubt. So teach us to learn to Check that and not allow that to hinder our faith in God. We know that God is able. Sometimes he chooses to answer our prayers. Sometimes he has other ways that we may not understand. Share a little bit of maybe how I came to the burden for the message for today was... uh, a story there we read. I guess first of all, probably was my uh, we had devotions this week. Was my own need of seeing them, spending more time uh, in prayer. So I was considering that for a message. Uh, then I realized Brother John had preached on prayer in the past, and so any questions I don't answer, things aren't covered, you can go and listen to those messages or study it yourself. Um, for what I don't cover today. Then the events of this week, I guess, increased my burden for prayer. Sister Mary sharing about the things in Iraq asked us to pray for physical and spiritual needs there. I heard the testimony of some young Anabaptist men who were there in Iraq trying to help the people move back from the camps to the city that had, I guess the part that had been delivered while the war was still going on. They were the only people not carrying an AK-47 or a pistol. The people there trust their guns. They know they will work. And so the challenge was put out, do you believe prayer and God where a gun is more powerful. The people there, the unbelievers, they trust their guns. The Christians that were there said they felt perfectly safe in that environment without a gun. That was a totally foreign concept to those people. Put all your faith and belief in prayer, not in what the physical can do. And then another thing that came up 
this week was with what's happening in Tanzania. The government ordering to stop all activities in Avuna immediately. Seeing the need for prayer for that. Some of you have heard about the prayer request for Rodney and how he was found. Who knows if he was spared because of the prayers of the saints of God. They may have kept him from evil men from doing what they had planned. And last evening, Brother Nick shared with the youth about the need and for prayer in his life, spending more time in intercessory prayer. He challenged us with, do we really care about the people we say we do if we don't spend, in to- if we don't spend time in prayer for them? He was challenging himself to spend 15 minutes a day in intercessory prayer. He said, sorry to disappoint those of you that think that he would have done better than that. Well, that was a challenge to me. So I'm sorry to disappoint you. I don't either. Um, I think I need to do more. So if you were in lion territory like that story I read, if you were sleeping out in the jungle or even in the railroad car and you knew other people had been captured by a lion and eaten, would you pray? If you were in Iraq, such as Mary was, or such as those young men, and you were the only one without a gun, would you pray? How about if you were in Tanzania right now, and you don't know if you're going to be asked to leave the country or not? Would you pray? What about right where you are? Do you pray? Do I sense the need for prayer? Do I realize that the enemy of our soul is out to get us? As we said in 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be diligent, or be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as your roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Or do I think that I can, I'll make it on my own. I was going to get some quotes. Uh, I didn't get that far. I'm sure there's all kinds of quotes about prayer. The one I thought about was that, you know, lack of prayer says that I can do it myself. Let's look, first of all, in the Old Testament. Uh, you can turn to Genesis 18. I'm not going to read that all, but... Want to pick out a little bit here. Um, Abraham pleading for the righteous in Sodom. I see this as a a type of of intercession here. Um, the Lord and some angels here came, and Abraham went out and met them and, and prepared a meal for them. And then, as the angels went. To check out Sodom, Abraham uh, 
remained there with the Lord. And the Lord told him what he was thinking about doing. And Abraham interceded there. Lot was in the city. Why would Abraham intercede for Lot? Lot took the best land from him and, and all those things. And yet Abraham still cared for Lot and his family. So Abraham kept getting the Lord to come down 50 and holy down to if there's 10 people, he would not destroy the city. Even though 10 were not found, God still spared Lot and his family. You might say, well, it would have been better if they wouldn't have been spared because Lot's descendants caused Israel much grief uh, in the future. Uh, so yeah, I don't have all the answers for that. But anyhow, I was just impressed there um, with the way Abraham uh, interceded the Lord on the behalf um, of someone else. Turn to Numbers 21. Numbers 21, verse 6. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. Here Moses interceded on behalf of the children of Israel. They had disobeyed the Lord and were being punished. And Moses prayed for them. First Samuel twelve, uh, verse seventeen. First Samuel twelve, seventeen. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call unto the Lord, and he shall send thunder and rain that ye may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which ye have done in the sight of the Lord in asking you a king. So Samuel called unto the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said unto Samuel, Pray for thy servants unto the Lord thy God, that we die not, for we have added unto our sins this evil to ask us a king. And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not, ye have done all this wickedness, yet... Turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And turn ye not aside, for then ye should go after vain things, which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it pleased the Lord to make you his people. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things he hath done for you. But if ye shall still do wickedly, ye shall be consumed, both you, ye and your king. Here the people came and asked Samuel to pray unto the Lord that they would not perish, they would not die. 
Samuel said, God forbid that she's uh, sin against the Lord and ceasing to pray for you. But he didn't stop at that, though. He said, I will teach you good and right way as well. He told them to fear the Lord, serve him in truth with all their heart. Turn to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9, verses 3 to 19. Here we see Daniel praying for his people. It's the longest prayer in the Old Testament. I think Daniel here was before Nehemiah. Uh, So Daniel 9, verse 3. And I set my face unto the Lord God, to seek by prayer and supplication, with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God, and made my confession, and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him, and to them that keep his commandments. We have sinned and have committed iniquity, and have done wickedly, and have rebelled, even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces, as at this day, to the men of Judah, and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and unto all Israel that are near, and that are far off, through all the countries, whither thou hast driven them, because of their trespass that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belong with confusion of face, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey the voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us. And the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. And he hath confirmed his words which he spake against us, and against our judges that judged us, by bringing upon us a great evil. For under the whole heaven hath not been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem. As is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us. Yet made not, we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Here we see Daniel had set his face unto the Lord, seeking God by prayer, Supplications and fasting, sackcloth and ashes. He was serious in what he was doing here. He realized what the people of God had done in disobeying God. Realized they had sinned, they had departed from God's commandments, precepts. 
He says, to the Lord our God belongeth mercies and forgiveness. And he realized that they needed that. He realized it's because of their sin that the curse of God was uh, poured out upon them. But he says in verse 13 there, Yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God. Even though Israel was facing hard times because they disobeyed God, yet they were not turning back and praying to God. So here Daniel was interceding on their behalf. He was interceding on their behalf because he saw the need and they did not. I don't believe I read to the end of that prayer. I'm sorry. Where did I stop? Verse 13? 14. 14. Okay, I was supposed to read to 19. Sorry. Sorry, verse 15. Now, O Lord our God, Thou hast brought Thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and hast gotten Thee renowned as at this day. We have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all Thy righteousness, I beseech Thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from the city, Jerusalem, thy holy mountain. Because our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all them that are about us. Now therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant, his supplications, and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. O my God, incline thine ear, and hear, open thine eyes, and behold our desolations, and the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Do not defer. For thine own sake, O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. He was recognizing in his prayer here, they did not deserve God's mercies. It wasn't because of the righteousness that he could ask God, but because of God, he could appeal to God's great mercy and that God would forgive them and he would heal their land because it was being a reproach to others the way uh, God's people were, the condition they were in. So he was interceding uh, for the testimony of God's name. He was interceding for a people who did not see their need. And he was Concerned enough about it, he was willing to fast as well as pray. In Nehemiah um, chapter 1, I guess we won't read that all. It's somewhat 
similar to, to Daniel's prayer, but he prays for the children of Israel. Uh, he heard the remnant that are left in captivity there or in great affliction and reproach. And Nehemiah was interceding on their behalf um, for them. All right, now let's learn some lessons uh, that Jesus gave us on prayer. You can turn to uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 28. And to go through various verses here. Luke six twenty eight. Bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. That's what Jesus said. Pray for them which despitefully use you. Our human nature wants to get even, take revenge, stand up for our rights. Jesus tells us to pray for them which despitefully use us. A couple more chapters to Luke 11. Luke 11, 5. Five through eight. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Three loaves. For a friend of mine is in his journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot arise and give thee. I say unto you, Though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Here I see Jesus by this is teaching us uh, persistence in prayer. He says, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give as many as he needeth. So I think Jesus wants us to be persistent. In our prayers, don't just pray a prayer and, okay, that's it. Forget about it. Be be persistent until um, we see things happen. Okay, then the next verse there, 9. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. To him that knocketh, it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you as a father, will he give him a stone? If he ask a fish, will he a fish will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Here I see. Jesus is telling us that we need to ask. We need to ask. 
Does Jesus know what we need? Yes. But he still wants us to ask. And I think there um, we can have some consolation in those last verses. Our Father knows what we need. And we want to ask according to his will. We don't always know what is best. <laughs> um, maybe we ask for something that wouldn't be far good. <laughs> I think God, God knows that and he will give what is good for us. There he does also mention about giving the Holy Spirit to them that ask. Luke 18. Luke 18, verse 1. Luke 18, 1 to 8. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in the city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because of this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. The Lord said, Hear what the unjust just judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Here Jesus spake a parable, um, teaching us persistence again. I thought he had that before. <laughs> Apparently he thinks it's important. Um, he gives a lesson fairly similar to the passage we had read earlier in Luke. Men ought always to pray. Men ought always to pray. Okay, let's continue on there. Uh, verse 9, Luke eighteen nine. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased. He that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Here I see in this parable that Jesus is teaching us to pray humbly. To pray with humility. Here we have two men that prayed. One was condemned and the other was not. God hates pride. 
the man that prayed humbly. That was what God was looking for. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So, to our praying for them to spitefully use us, uh, praying with persistence, we want to add to that praying with humility. Now let's turn to Luke 20, verse 46. You see another thing here we can learn uh, in our praying. Beware of the scribes which desire to walk in long robes and love greetings in the market and the highest seats in the synagogues and the chief rooms at feasts which devour widows' housing, houses, and for a show make long prayers. The same shall receive greater damnation. Here's being warned against for a show of making long prayers. Matthew twenty-five fourteen says, and for a pretense, make long prayer, or for putting on. So we are not supposed to make our prayers for show or pretense, not trying to make it look like we are who we're not, but our prayers should be in humility, as we talked about the previous verses. Then let's go to uh, Mark, back up to Mark chapter 13. Mark 13, 32. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man... No, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take heed, watch, and pray, for ye know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house, gave authority to his servants, to every man his work, and commanding and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even, or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning. Lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. What I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. That word watch there is the uh, um, same word as be vigilant uh, in, in Peter. <clears throat> so here we are um, commanded to take heed. Watch and pray, for we do not know when the time of Christ's return is, that we would be prepared, that we would not be caught off guard, as was shared in the children's lesson this morning. Watch and pray, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. 
What I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. I think there's several places that uh, watch and pray is uh, goes together in the in the scriptures. Okay, now you can turn to uh, Matthew six, verse nine, to the Lord's Prayer. I'm sure this could be a message in itself. Just pick out a few things. Matthew 6, 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we Forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For, for thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus is giving us an example, a model here, how to pray. He starts out with our Father. How, how many of you like to do things to displease your earthly father? So, you want to please your earthly father. Wouldn't we want to please our heavenly father as well? Our father, Jesus, um, we see him honoring his father uh, numerous times throughout the time he was here. Our desire for God's will to be done in earth, just like it is in heaven. Submitting our will. We sang the song, I Surrender All. Um, it's a little bit ago. It should be our desire that God's will would be done. Asking Him to provide for our needs. And then... Asking him for forgiveness as we forgive others. Asking for forgiveness as we forgive others. Am I in line for forgiveness from God? Or am I holding some others with unforgiveness, that God's forgiveness can't flow through to me. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Somehow it seems this idea of forgiveness is important as well because it right away repeats that in the next verses. So let's read that yet too. Verses 14 and 15. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So the importance of, of forgiveness, um, of us forgiving those that have wronged us. 
Then since we were talking about those that would like to participate in prayer and fasting tomorrow for Tanzania, I thought I'd read these verses next here on fasting as well, uh, starting at verse 16 there. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father, which is in secret. And thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. So, when we do fast and pray, it's not to be for to be seen of others, not to be seen for the praise of men but to be seen of God, our Father. All right, now I'd like to look at some times when Jesus went apart to pray. I was surprised at how many times he actually went somewhere to spend time in prayer. Turn to Mark chapter 1, verse 32. Mark one thirty-two to 35. And at even when the sun set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together to the door. And he healed many that were sick of divers diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place. And there prayed. All the needs that were pressing around him, all the people coming to him, he saw the need to get away and spend time with God. Here we see this time it was in the morning, a great while before day. Jesus went out to a solitary place and prayed. Luke chapter 5, verse 15. 15 and 16. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. I don't think this is the same instance as we just looked at before, but I didn't check that out positively, but I thought it's two different times. Uh, the one before said, just said a solitary place, but said early in the morning. Here it doesn't say when, but it says he went to the wilderness. So now we'll continue on in Luke. And so we have numerous ones here in, in the same gospel. Uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 11 13. And they were filled with madness and communed one with another what they might do to Jesus. It came to pass in those days he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. When it was day, he called unto him his disciples 
And of them he chose twelve, whom whom also he named apostles. Here Jesus went and spent all night in prayer to God before he chose his disciples. I'm not sure which he saw as the most pressing need, the, the, the people that were not sure what they were going to do with Jesus um, or his need for choosing the right men to be his disciples. But he went out alone to pray all night in prayer to God. That's what Jesus did. He must have seen it as important. He must have seen it as a need. Okay, uh, jump ahead, Luke nine eighteen. Luke nine eighteen. It came to pass as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him and asked him, saying. Whom say the people that I am? Here Jesus was alone again, praying. So I don't know. You hear it said the disciples were with him. I'm assuming it's a possibility they were with him. He stepped aside to to pray, as he did some other times. Um, But he was. Alone praying, it says. Okay, Luke nine twenty eight. Same chapter. It came to pass about eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistening. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elijah. Here again, he went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, his countenance was altered. His raiment became white and glistening and was what we call a transfiguration on the mount. But the part that was standing out to me was that he went up into the mountain to pray. Okay, chapter 11, 11, verse 1. It came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. After that was when he gave the the Lord's Prayer, which we had looked at before from a different gospel. He was praying in a certain place. doesn't say he was alone, but um, it would almost seem like he was alone praying. And when he stopped, then the disciple came and, and said, You know, Lord, teach us to pray like you are. Um, teach us. Teach us to pray. Do we want God to... Teach us how to pray. 
Then Matthew fourteen twenty two. Here again, we're switching Gospels, but I think this is a not an incident that we did cover before. 14.22 And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there, Alone. So we find Jesus again. Alone on the mountain praying. If Jesus felt the need for praying to his Father, shouldn't we as well? Now let's go to where Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew 26. Jesus was facing a situation like none of us have faced. Uh, let's just read uh, verse 2, Matthew 26, 2. You know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Jesus knew what was coming. He knew. We don't always know. Uh, but Jesus, Jesus knew here what was coming. Let's drop down to verse 31. Then said Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the fold of the flock shall be scattered abroad. Judas had agreed to betray Jesus. They ate the Passover. They had the Lord's Supper together. And then Jesus told them that he knows that they will all leave him and desert him. He knew that his closest friends in his hour of trial were, trial were going to leave. And he was going to be alone so what does he do? Verse 36. Matthew 26, 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here, while I go, and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. He went a little farther, and fell on his face, and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples, and findeth them asleep. And saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
he went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand, at hand that doth betray me. Luke uh, twenty-two thirty-nine says, Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed, and his disciples followed him. It's from the New King James. Apparently, Jesus went to this place often. This wasn't the first time he'd been here. He was accustomed to prayer and seeking the face of his father. One thing I see here um, was Jesus saying, but as thou wilt. Him submitting his will, his desire to the will of the father. Not as I will, but as thou wilt. Another thing he mentioned about watch and pray, as he was telling the disciples, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. It takes effort. It takes work to pray. It's not necessarily just something that's easy. But here again, The disciples did not see the importance of praying, or they were extremely tired. It could be that too. Um, Jesus knew that they were going to face a trial and forsake him. They should have been praying too for their trial, but they were not. They were falling asleep. Turn to uh, Daniel chapter 6. Actually, I could just read it here. I have it here. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knee, knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God as he did aforetime. New King James says, as he was custom, as was his custom since his early days. So just like Jesus was accustomed to praying here, Daniel also was one who had a custom of praying. He had a regular time of praying. When the king sent out the decree, um, he didn't change. He continued praying the same as he had prior to that.
are we, am I, accustomed to praying? Do I have a regular habit, time, place that I pray and seek the face of God for myself and intercede for others? Here, Jesus in his prayer in Gethsemane here mentioned different times about watching. At least the one time, anyhow, it was there. No, it's more than once. about watch. And that's the same word. Okay, I think I mentioned that before. It's the same word as in 1 Peter 5.8. Be vigilant. That's the same word as watch. Be vigilant. Spiritual alertness. Keeping awake. Takes effort. Three times Jesus came and found the disciples sleeping. I think I mentioned this before. Submission to his Father. Not as I will, but as thou wilt. As thou wilt, thy will be done. So in our praying, submitting our will to God. I think I mentioned also there, it said about uh, praying uh, to avoid temptation. The disciples should have been praying so they could avoid temptation. Uh, Luke 22:40 says, When he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. That's what Jesus said at the start. It's recorded in Luke. Um, he, told, he told them before he left, even the first group of disciples there, that they were supposed to pray that they enter not into temptation. Uh, one thing I did want to bring out here, it says that Jesus prayed the third time saying the same words. Didn't Jesus condemn people for repeating the same words in prayer before? And then he does it. In Matthew 6, 7 it says, But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. So what Jesus was uh, condemning there was the heathen that used vain repetitions in thinking that is what will answer their prayers. It's not the much speaking that answers the prayers. It's when God moves. God chooses to um, to resolve something. All right, now let's look at some places uh, in the New Testament. Turn to Colossians one seven. Colossians 1, 7, I'll read to verse 14. As ye also learn of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, whom is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will 
in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power and unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even through the forgiveness of sins. Here the Apostle Paul says, Since the day we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you. Paul was interceding on the behalf of others. Can you daily pray that prayer for your brother or sister and not love them? If you're having trouble loving someone, maybe try praying this pray for them, praying this prayer for them every day for a while. See how that works. Since the day we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord to all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, strengthened, giving thanks. There's a lot in that prayer. Paul was praying that on behalf of others. Do I do that? Do I do that? First Thessalonians five twenty five. First Thessalonians five twenty five. Here the Apostle Paul just says, Brethren, pray for us. He was asking the believers to pray for them. Keep going to Second Thessalonians one eleven. Second Thessalonians one eleven and twelve. Wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. And ye in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. There again, can we do that for each other? Can we pray on behalf of each other? It's not about you. It's not about me. But that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified. Chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. He's saying pray for us that the word of God can have free course um, with us 
I'm not sure if he means in, in, in their hearts or the people they're working with, even as it, as it is with, with you. Hebrews 13.18 says, Pray for us, for we have... For we trust we have a good conscience in all things willing to live honestly. Now let's look at some people who did not pray. Turn to Jonah chapter 1. Jonah 1, 6. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. Here Jonah should have been praying. He was sleeping. The ship was about to sink, and he was sleeping. Back up several books. Uh, to Hosea 7. Hosea 7. Start that latter part of the verse there. There is none among them that calleth unto me. Ephraim, he hath mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake not turned. Um, so there we're saying that the people have not called upon God. They had not called upon God when they should. Verse 10. And the pride of Israel testifieth to his face. And they do not return to the Lord their God, nor seek him for all this. In spite of all the things they were facing, they weren't turning and praying to God. Says the pride of Israel. <laughs> Too proud. Well, they could work it out themselves, I guess. Back up several more books to Isaiah. Isaiah 43, verse 22. Isaiah 43:22. But thou hast not called upon me, O Jacob, but thou hast been weary of me, O Israel. Here again, Israel was not calling upon God when they should have been. Then, uh, towards the end of the Old Testament, Zephaniah 1 4. Zephaniah 1 4 to 7. I will also stretch out mine hand upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and I will cut off the remnant of Baal from this place, and the name of the Shemarims and with the priests, and them that worship the hosts of heaven upon the housetops, and them that worship and swear by the Lord and swear by Malcolm, and them that are turned back from the Lord, and those that have not sought the, sought the Lord nor inquired for him. Here again we see that God was going to judge the wicked 
But it also says he was going to judge those who had not sought him. Those that had not sought him or nor inquired of him, uh, he was going to judge them as well. All right, now let's look at a couple examples here. Yet someone who people who did pray. Turn to Acts chapter four. Acts chapter four, verse twenty-three and twenty-four. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. And said, Lord, thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. Uh, here, Peter and John um, were being threatened. And they lifted their voice to God. It was not, not just them. It appeared that it was a group of them there. Um, after they had been let go, they went back to their own company, to the believers, and reported yeah, what had happened. And then it appears like the group lifted up their voice in prayer to God. Okay, then drop down to verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child, thy holy child Jesus. When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. This is what happened when a group of believers prayed with one accord to God. The place was shaken where they were assembled. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. And they were filled with boldness in the face of the opposition that they were facing. Acts 6, verse 6. Some people who prayed. Whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Here the apostles prayed and laid hands on uh, the ones that were chosen. And we see that the word of God increased. Disciples were multiplied greatly, it says. God worked. God moved. And Acts 16.25 Acts 16.25 And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And Brother Nick mentioned this last night as well. Um, they had just been beaten and thrown in jail and put in stocks. Here they are in the middle of the night, singing and praying to God. Did their prayers do anything? Look down a couple of verses later, the whole prison was shaken and, and, well, I forget what, the prisoner, uh, the keeper and his household were all saved then and, 
um, things happen because they prayed. So as we think of what's been happening in Tanzania, as we come together in prayer tomorrow, intercede on their behalf, we serve a God that can move the hearts of kings. Proverbs 21 says the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it. Whithersoever he will. The children of Israel one time in Ezra, uh, the Lord turned the heart of the king of Syria unto them. The Lord turned the heart of the king. The other example I think of is in Daniel 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the graven image which thou hast set up. So I think as we look to this, we need to realize God is able. God can change the hearts of rulers. But if he chooses not to, we will serve him anyhow. Don't let that be a hindrance to your faith. God's ways are higher than ours. A brother mentioned to me about um, recent, just this past week about Brother Leonard's sign up there. He was having grief about his, his billboard along 78 there with gospel messages. They were giving him a hard time about that. And eventually it turned around. He had more uh, freedom and permission and whatever to do as he wanted with that sign than he did in the first place. God can do that. He doesn't always. He doesn't always choose to do that. But let's let's share the burden with our brothers and sisters over there. Let's bear that with them. Let's intercede on on their behalf. I guess I would share this yet. There was one thing as they were facing um, these things. An old friend stopped by to see Tim just this week. He was a translator uh, ten years ago. Brother John uh, remembers him when he was over. He's looking for work. He likes things like um, working with immigration and working with the government and, and those kind of things.
Tim hadn't said anything about the needs that we're facing over there and all the need for paperwork that needs done with the government that's overwhelming. It seems like maybe God is sending someone just in the time of need. So pray for that, that that, that could work out and that he would be a, a good man um, for that, that he could help relieve some of that for, for Tim there. In conclusion, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me, when ye search for me with all your heart. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Oftentimes this verse is used in the context of our country, our nation. But it starts out, if my people. This verse was addressed in the context of the people of God. So I think that would apply to us as a people, not necessarily as much as to our country. They pray and seek my face. I'm not hinting that there are wicked ways among us that's that's not what I was the part I was standing out to me but yet anything I do for self-serving interest can can be wicked but will heal their land would God bring healing among us as a people here let's be a people of prayer the challenge has been put out this past week. How some conservative Baptist and Baptist people can be so quick to talk and spread things around. What if we would get a reputation for taking things to God in prayer? And yes, that has happened already at times. Let's even pray more. First Peter 4, 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. God bless you.